Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We got different messages on Sunday between the 9.30 and the 11.30. This week, 9.30, I started on Jonah, and then the second service, Samuel spoke and did a great job, but I wasn't in here. I had to go sub in for dad who lost his voice. But um, we started talking about Jonah. I really, really like the book of Jonah. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. There's just a bunch of great lessons in the book. And I was trying to do a message on two points from Jonah. And I made it through one. And then I discovered when I went to look at point number two that I couldn't keep it down to just point number two. And so my notes keep growing. But I want to tell you a little bit more about Jonah and learn some lessons from Jonah. We learned so far. Um, and if you aren't familiar with Jonah, we're going to kind of tell the story. Jonah is this prophet. And it starts out that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh and preach, otherwise they're going to be, or because they're going to be destroyed. Jonah runs away. Uh, Sunday, we looked at the fact that the reason that he ran away is because he hated them. And his goal was that Jesus, that God would send destruction upon them. And that was his goal. He's like, die, die, die. Like that's, that was his chance. So when God's like, go preach to them, he's like, no, if I preach, they could repent I'm going the other way. And we talked about some of the reasons for that. Some of the Assyrian, because Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, some of the Assyrian practices that made him hate them. Um, ripping open pregnant women, skinning people, um, sticking them on spears, just really brutal practices. Uh, and he was not a very much of a fan of them, so he runs away. This is a bad idea. Running from God, not good. And we learned that as he ran from God, that this was sinful but sin doesn't just affect the sinner. Sin and stupidity both explode. And it affected them and those around them. So when he got on a boat trying to get, go the other way, his choice didn't just affect him. It almost cost the sailors their lives. It cost them all of their cargo, which was what was supposed to make them money. It was what they were invested in. And they tried to save him, and he did nothing. And they, they, they come through and they're like, pray to your God. And, and it records him just not doing anything. And them going, all right, well, let's figure out whose fault it was. And it gets to be his fault. And they're like, who are you and what'd you do? He's like, well, I'm running from God. I serve the one true living God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea. And they're like, oh, no, that's not good. You're running from God. Storm is chasing us. It's your fault. Now what? And they, they tried to save Jonah. And the longer that they tried to save Jonah, the more it seemed to cost them. They had to throw the ship's tackle overboard. And they kept trying to save him. And it was not getting any better. When they threw him overboard, we discovered a couple things. That A, it saved their lives. B, it saved Jonah's life. Because in the boat, things kept getting worse. But when Jonah was thrown overboard, it actually saved him. And not only did it save him, it ended up saving Nineveh. And a lot of times we discovered that we have people in our lives that we need to, to remove because their choices are going to destroy us. And as painful as it can be and as almost rude as it can seem to, to look at somebody and go, you know what? I, I may love you, but I can't be your friend anymore. You know what? Hey, you're going a direction that I don't want to go. This is where I'm going to go. This is where you're headed. So as long as you're headed there, we can't hang out. Um, it actually saved that person. It didn't, as far as they were concerned, they see him get thrown over. And I don't know if they saw the fish come up and be like, Poom. 
Because if so, they didn't realize he got saved. Um, if they watched him go blah, 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 and sink down, they're like, there went Jonah. Look, the storm's calm. I don't think that they realized that it saved Jonah, but it did. And a lot of times when you remove someone from your life, you may not realize what effect it has. But when you do it right, not just walking up going, you're beep, 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 beep. So now I'll never talk to you again. Beep. Like, like that's probably not a good idea. Um, but if you go through and say, hey, you know, I want to live for God. The choices that you're making are headed a different direction. And living for God is more important to me than anything else. So this is where we part ways. It's been a pleasure. I'll miss you. Um, they might look at you and be like, you're a freak. You know, that's okay. Um, you may not see what effect it has. They may continue for a while, but you're going to plant a seed. And they're going to walk away and going, my behavior's unacceptable. And they, they may take it and be like, whatever, I'll show them what's unacceptable. Or they, uh, they may change their on the spot, but there's a seed that's planted and they get to make a choice. And as different things go by, a lot of times it's those people that will mock you and then a year later, we'll come back to you and go, you know what? My life's a mess. And you turned and your life is different. What do you got? And we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. And I didn't get to preach it both times. So I almost want to preach the rest of the message. But as, as we go on, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then there's a very funny verse. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. When did Jonah pray? In the fish. Are you kidding me? What kind of person goes through like a life-threatening storm? I'm not going to pray. This is when atheists pray. Like, when you're in an airplane and they're like, oh, we're going to go in for a crash landing. People who say, I don't believe in God. God, help me. I'll go to church if you'll just save my life. Like, you'll watch atheists pray. He's sitting here, believes in God, running from God. I'm going to pray. Ninevites can die. And he sits here, rather than repent, Nineveh can die. And the sailor's like, what do we do? Instead of going, I'll repent, hold on, let's go back and take me to Nineveh, to Nineveh, his response, throw me overboard. God's words dine with me. They're going to die. Like, like, you are one hateful little guy. I don't know if he's really little, but anyways, they throw him overboard. And he gets, like, you'd think they're, like, you're starting to drown. You'd be like, you know what? This is a good time to pray. What does he do? <laughs> Bye-bye, Nineveh. And like, God, he goes, get swallowed by a fish. And you would think at this point, you're like, hey, I just got swallowed by a fish. Good time to pray. He was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. Then he prayed. <laughs> die, Nineveh, die. Die. <laughs> Stinks in here. <laughs> and I just like wonder, what did it look like? Like, Really? Three days, and then you pray. 
Even if it was a sooner in the fish, like how did it get to the point that you don't pray until you're swallowed by a fish? Why not when you get thrown in the water? Why not when you were in the ship and there was a storm? And then I got thinking about this craziness. He was asked to pray in Jonah chapter one, verse six. They come to him and they're like, pray to your God. Yeah, he didn't pray. And then in 2.2 2, it says, And I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, which would translate the grave or the place of the dead, and you heard my voice. He sits here and is like, I was as good as dead, so I called out to God. And I'm like, you waited until there was no possible any other alternative. In fact, you faced what looked like death several times over trying not to call on God. And I'm like, man, that's weird. And then I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. How often do we do that? Nothing enough to do but pray. You mean you haven't prayed yet? No. The doctor, I went to the doctor and did this and that. And they told me that there was no hope. I was going to die. So I'm going to pray. Hmm. And I got thinking because so often we do just like Jonah and we try to avoid turning to God for as long as we possibly can. We sit here and we're like, well, I still have an idea. Either maybe there's another way. You know, I, I haven't hit rock bottom yet. Or you hear people who are like, yeah, I know I should probably turn, but I gotta learn lessons for myself. Hey, I hit myself in the thumb with a hammer. You wanna try it? Like, it's a bad idea. You got to learn that one for yourself. You're going to sit here and go, oh, it broke your thumb. Yeah, don't do it. And I, I haven't broke my thumb with it, but I've hit him pretty hard. And I've split my thumbnail and other things. It was not good. Um, but you don't sit here and go, well, I got to do that myself. But I, I was looking at this going, well, how often? And as I, I read through, because in chapter two, he goes through and he kind of like states some of his prayer, almost like a song that he wrote, like from the belly of a fish before he gets puked up, which is kind of weird. But Say, like, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. I'm like, what? Wait. How often have I done that? And then it goes in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And when did things change? After he turned to God. What would have happened if in the boat when the storm started, he turned to the sailors and said, guys, it's my fault. We need to go to Nineveh. What would have happened? I bet the storm would have stopped and they would have had a nice breeze blowing them straight to Nineveh. But he sits here, God, <laughs> I ain't going. Doing my own thing. Until he gets thrown overboard, until he's sinking, gets swallowed by a fish, and spends three days sitting inside the fish. And it brings me to Joel chapter 2, verse 12. That's why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your heart. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And I got thinking about this idea of going, Do I turn to God while I have time, or do I try to wait until the last possible second? Are you living ready for God or are you growing cold? Are you 
trying to wait till the end, trying to live for yourself. Because those that are spending their life trying to live for themselves produce a life that is empty, both now and for eternity. Um, any of you guys ever take swim lessons? Okay, it is best that you take swim lessons when you don't need them. Because if you wait until you're in the middle of a pool, sink a boat in Lake Michigan, it's a bad time for swim lessons. I know this firsthand. Um, as a kid, I was out fishing with my dad, and uh, we're out there and we're headed back to shore. It was my dad, myself, Mark, and Sam. And we're out fishing and we're heading back and the engine starts going, you know, like that's not the right sound. So he opens up the, the engine compartment. There's a bunch of water in there. He's like, hey, stop. Let's see what's going on. Stops and water starts to come into the boat and like up above the floorboards of the boat and starts filling. And dad goes, see that? It's the shore. And the guy already had a life jacket on. He put a life jacket on Sam and threw us overboard. Like, go. And uh, go that way. And so we start swimming. And my dad's a really, really strong swimmer. And so he stopped, and he's, he's talking with the, with the fellow who owns the boat, and he calls for, like, the Coast Guard. He's like, hey, we're sinking a boat. Our, gives them the, like, location. And, and then he turns to Dad, and by now the water's, like, almost up to their knees. And Dad wanted to make sure we got away because he'd seen movies where, like, the boat goes down, and there's, like, a suction that sucks people down. And he's like, they ain't getting sucked down. So he just threw us and made us start swimming. And so he's standing back there with the, the captain and the guy... And you got to understand, in a very loving way, he was large, quite large. And I say that not to pick on him, but because his only life jacket was those little dinky orange things that goes over that's like for a person who's like 75 pounds, and you're like, you're that several times over, and it's just not going to do anything. And so I think he gets out this little like thing that looks like a joke because it's like pops off his chest, like doesn't go anywhere because he's a, he later he lost weight, but at that time he was big. And he turns to dad and he's like, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> this is not the time to be like, all right, let's have swim lessons. Your life is about to depend on this. The boat is going down. You know, paddle like this. Like, I think dad gave him a little bit of instructions and waited as long as he could. And we were like a half mile. This wasn't like, you know, grab your guy and like swim up 50 yards. This is going to be a long swim. And dad, I think, ended up started swimming. I think he started swimming towards us. Um, ended up being that we passed a boat uh, like 10 minutes before. They ended up coming up on us right as the boat started to tip straight up um, before it, it went down. And they came up. So he jumped to that boat and went bloop and grabbed their ladder and then climbed up. I guess he lives. So, um, so he didn't drown that day. But a lot of us, go through life and we wait for those kind of circumstances to learn to swim. We wait for those kind of circumstances to learn to pray. We look for those kind of circumstances going, well, I can live life my way because I still can handle it. Unless we hit rock bottom, unless we discover that we're kicked out of the house or addicted to drugs. Like I've talked to so many people who finally come back and they're like, yeah, I just had to hit rock bottom. You know, and, and people's rock bottom look different. Some people, it's like, you know what? I lost all my friends. Some people, it's like, I watched my 
relationship with my parents fall apart. Some people, it's like, hey, I woke up in jail and realized that was bad. I talked to somebody who said, you know what? My rock bottom was when I realized that I was swinging my fist around to punch somebody and they threw me on the bed and it was handcuffs that they were putting on my hands. And I decided that this was far enough down. And, um, and I've talked to people that rock bottom was at a lot of different places. But are we waiting until we hit some kind of a rock bottom to pray? Are we waiting until we hit some kind of a rock bottom to go, all right, God, I'll live for you. All right, God, it's time. My way sucks. My way didn't work. It's time to follow you. Are we sitting here going, all right, God will be my last resort? Or are we going, all right, I'm going to follow God now? Because following God is not supposed to be a life jacket that you stick on at the last possible second as the boat is going down. It's supposed to be a different boat. It's supposed to be a different way of living and of doing things, not a, in case of emergency, reach underneath your seat and pull up the life jacket or grab your seat cushion. I don't, guess, I don't know if you guys all fly. They go through all those like lectures with you, like sitting here underneath your seat is a flotation device in case of an emergency. In case of an emergency, there'll be an oxygen mask that flows down. Please help yourself before you help children next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Buckle up. <laughs> like it's important that first time you fly, you're like, yeah, I'm paying attention. And then like the 50th time you fly, you're like, I think I've heard this before. And, uh, but they want to make sure that everyone's safe. But Walking with God is not meant to be a in-case-of-emergency. It's supposed to be a different way of living altogether. When you do it God's way from the beginning, it actually costs you much less. Any of you guys drive? Any of you have cars? Have your own car? All right, life changes when you have your own car. Um, maybe. Some of you guys' parents are like, ah, yeah, I'm going to do everything for you anyways. Your girl's like, yeah, daddy takes care of it. Good for you. Um, <laughs> someday you'll grow up and life will hit you. But I remember getting my own car and all of a sudden that means I got to make sure it's got tires and gas and oil. And if anything goes wrong, it's my fault. And I just got my car back from the shop today and had to write him a check. And it was unpleasant because you don't want to write a check. But anyways, life goes on. Well, when I had, I got a Nissan Maxima um, a few years back. And I was driving it, and I decided the thing was horrible in the snow. But it was a car. I grew up with lots of trucks, and you're like, it just, this car must just be stink horrible in the snow. And I looked at my tires. I'm like, they're kind of bad. I should probably replace them. I bet I can make it through this winter. I'll replace them next, next fall before the next winter. You know, they're not like totally bald. They're just lacking in abundant tread. So... Um, I decided, I, you know, I priced things out. It was going to be $275 to have my tires replaced, which is actually a good deal because I just had the tires replaced on my truck and it cost a lot more. But I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I, I don't want to spend $275 right now, so I'm going to just hold off for a little while. Uh, I was driving on my way up 131, hit a little bit of slush, and those tires, they, they doubled as ice skates. And so um, the back of the car decided to go this way, that way, and then decided to go like this. Whee! which is bad when you're going 70 miles an hour. Um, and uh, so round and round I went. I went backwards, threw a sign, spun it around, slammed the front end into the ditch. Um, and I had POPD on that car, which is kind of a bummer because I did $2,000 in damage. So I tried to save 275 bucks, and it cost me two grand. And then I went and spent the 275 and discovered that that car did pretty well in the snow with new tires. <laughs> I was like, yell at me. Okay, so, but I, I learned a lesson there. That waiting 
to do things right is a bad idea. And I don't know how many of you guys are waiting. I don't know how many people are going, well, I'm trying to do it on my own. Well, I had someone tell me the other day, they're like, well, you know, I'm afraid I'm using God as a crutch. I don't want to do that, so I'm not coming to church. And you're like, the Bible says he's supposed to be your rock, your refuge. You're supposed to build your life on him so that it's not shaken. Not wait until your life's a disaster and then call up, put on the life jacket of get out of hell free card. It's supposed to be a different life. And as I think about this, well, where are you at? Because the Bible warns us that we don't know how long life is, that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and we don't know when he's going to come back. And he says, turn to me now. It's the reason that they make little kids in a boat wear a life jacket. You're like, you don't need a life jacket. You're inside the boat. And they go, yeah. But if they fall out of the boat, you don't know when it's going to happen. And little people don't always listen. I know this. I have a couple of them. And like, oh, what's over there? It's a fish. And they're just, their concept of balance and listening and wisdom is just lacking. Um, and so they, they make them wear a life jacket all the time. They say, now you live prepared for what you may happen. Are you living prepared for what may happen? For the events that may happen tomorrow, whether those are events are relational, whether those events are life-threatening, whether those events are his return, regardless of what those events are, are you living ready today? Or are you like Jonah? I ain't praying yet. And if you say, you know what, today I've, I've been like Jonah. Today I've been waiting. Today I thought, you know what, I'd get saved. I'd give my life to God when I was old. I'd just live my way while I was in high school, maybe in college, and then I, maybe I'd, I'd, I'd repent. I want to give you a chance to make God your Lord now. The sermon I wanted to preach, I'm going to have to preach next week. I almost made it to it. But I want to talk about the God that answered, the God that caused the fish to spit them out. The God, in Jonah chapter three, verse one, that has one of those beautiful verses in the Bible, says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I want to talk about that. But God wants to give you another chance. God wants to forgive you. Say, now is the time. So if, if you say, I need to make that decision, I need to do it now. I want to give you a chance. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. This is your chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never, if you know a lot about him, but you've been, waiting. Here's your chance. Get ready. One, when I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Two, three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. I want to make God the Lord of my life. I want to begin to live for him now and to not wait any longer. Awesome. God, I thank you for each and every person here that we can live for you in a way that honors you today. That we don't have to wait until we're older we don't have to wait for crazy circumstances, but we can live for you and we can put our trust in you now. We can live a life that honors you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.